Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, the podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the taking over the world. And you are Jared Longshore. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Taking over we the world. We don't want to take over the world. We... Jesus has taken over the world. He has taken over the world. We're here for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. He didn't take over the world. He's always on the world. Always. Yeah. Part of that is... Then he brought that kingdom of heaven to earth. Yeah. But as the world is being more and more made aware of its Lord, we are called to recover the gospel and reform local churches. churches. (laughs) churches. There you go. And I am Jared Longshore, and you're Tom Askell. Thank you. And... We're so thankful to people that listen to this podcast. I know. This is amazing to me. Isn't it something? I was out of town just for a few days uh, recently, and uh, I mean, I, I was in a church for less than a few hours and uh, had several people come up to me, you know, including uh, one sweet, sweet lady that I'd met years ago, and she said, uh, I've learned so much from Sword and Trowel. said, you guys have educated me on things going on that I didn't know was going on. And, you know, when we sit around talking in my office like this, Quite honestly, I'm not thinking about mm. a lot of people listening to it. It's just like you and I talk. Mm-hmm. But that's good. It's encouraging. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you find it valuable, please share it with other people. Share it with other people. And then, you know, send us some support. That'd be great. If you do that, we'd be grateful. How, what do you mean, send you us support? send us some money. <laughs> that's what you do. You go give them your home you address. I mean? Yeah. He's so into this ministry. So, so, so a little this. seed. So, so, so a little seed so here. Seed. Oh, man. You know, I'm joking, oh, but hey, I'm man. not joking because this takes a lot of effort. There it are does. people that are being employed to put this thing on, and we want to do it well. So we'd be very grateful for your support and your prayers. Maybe what we ought to do is put a picture of Hannah up on the website and saying, please send money. <laughs> That's right. Send money to Hannah. Yes. All right, today we want to talk about something. We want to talk about children's church. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, not children's church, children's children church. in church. Do you, you know that like two weeks ago we had a family come and they asked about children's church and were told that we didn't have a special set-aside section for children to have their own church, mm. and they went, got in their car, and drove away. No. That happened like two weeks ago here, right here. Oh, you yeah. know, people, when they, people ask me that, said, do y'all have children's church? I said, Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about what goes on. I said, well, you know, we read scripture, we pray, we sing, and uh, we have a a special message Mm. that's designed for them. Oh, that's great. Well, where does it meet? I said, it meets right here where all the adults are. Right here where all the adults are. (laughs) And, you know, look, if if this is hard and if you think, you know, my child won't be able to sit through an hour-long service or something like that, boy, we want to help with that. We We got people help you. Um, all this kind of stuff. We do have a nursery available for, you know, w- when those needs arise and things like that. But is it important to have children in church? Well, the Apostle Paul ever evidently thought so. Mm. Because in his letters to the Ephesians and the Colossians, which would have been read in the gathering of those assemblies, mm. he actually addresses children. It's as if Uh-oh. he expected them to be there. You think they kind of like walk the letter down the hallway to the little separate room where no, all the children no, were? No, 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 no. I'm they sure he might have done it. He like expected that. them to to read that part of the letter before they dismissed the kids. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so Jesus said, "Let the children come to me." Yeah, he did. And okay. today we hear people saying. The little guys make too much noise. Get those kids out of here. They make too much noise. There have been people that have even recently gone about saying, you know, we need to get these kids out of the church, and we would stand strongly against 
uh, doing so. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's an article written, and I, again, this brother took it on the chin. I, I gave him a couple of knocks myself, even. Uh, Paul Carter on the Gospel Coalition website, the title of his article was, Why We Let the Little Ones Go from the Service. Let the little children go. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you know, so at least they could have entitled the article little more thoughtfully so that it doesn't mm. contradict what Jesus said mm. about letting the little children come. And in the article, you know, I, again, I get it. I get it. Children are noisier. They're uh, difficult to deal with sometimes. But here are the reasons that he gives for why they let the little children go. Mm. He says, one, we believe in the transforming power of the preached word of God. Therefore, we let the little children go. Oh, no. That's not good. I mean, we're just not thinking. You know, and we believe in the reality of learning styles and stages. Therefore, we let the little children go. Mm. We believe in blessing and equipping mom and dad. Therefore, we let the little children go. And then he tries to deal with some biblical things, and in my estimation, not very effectively. But, but I think this is just where we are as a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, children used to be regarded as a blessing from God. That used to be regarded. Back like when the Psalms were written. <laughs> right, yeah. Back like when people read the Bible. You know, they used to think that children were a blessing from God. But today... It's like, man, you guys know where they come from? You having another one? How many you got? Mm. Yeah, I know you get this when you, your wife and you or go to the store with all six of your kids. I do. They're walking <laughs> around behind me and got these six kids, and people look at me strange, and I just look at them. My, what I do is uh, my lovely wife's off. She's grabbing the groceries, and we go to Sam's Club. What we do is we go around and hit those little food stands, <laughs> and then we go eat hot dogs while Mama gets some quiet time so to you, shopping. So you go to Sam's, so you save a little money for feeding your kids. That's right. <laughs> and everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy because I got all these kids with me. Are, are all those kids there. yours? And I just look at them and I go, I don't know who these kids are. They just started following me. That's what I tell them. <laughs> you know, go find your mom. Go find your dad. Why are you following me? My my wife, whenever uh, we had little ones and she'd go to the store with all six of our kids, and we get that question, are all these yours? And she said, no. I just went around the neighborhood and said, hey, I'm going to the store. Any kids want to join me? <laughs> so that indeed is the uh, mindset of our current culture, and it drifts into the church on this issue. No, we, yeah. when, we, when we gather to sing God's praise as one body, we want our children there. We want children hearing the good news of God. We want them watching mommy and daddy sing and singing themselves. Mm-hmm. We teach our kids to sing. We teach our kids to pray. Yeah. And we go down to our little ones and we say, you know, do you love Jesus? And they say, yes, I love Jesus. And we say, hey man, so glad. Let's sing. Let's pray. We want them in the community of saints rendering worship to God. And we really have to move beyond this, banishing them out of the congregation. So what are common objections? And what, what, what have we heard? What have you heard as a pastor? People who say, you know, man, it should be great if we had a children's church that we could send our kids to. Yeah. Well, you do have the argument of different learning stages, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely <laughs> true. I know that my children are not understanding everything that the pastor's preaching. That's why uh, throughout the week here, before our Sunday morning service, during uh, Wednesday evenings, we have classes that are targeted mm-hmm. right at their level. Jonathan Edwards did this mm-hmm. even in his day, and it's a wonderful thing to do, but that should not result in them never being with the parents, uh, especially not in the gathering on Sunday morning mm-hmm. that we are gathering on the Lord's Day to worship. Another one that I've heard is it's it's unloving to outsiders. You know, when they come, right. maybe there's a single mother and she's got small children, and um, you know, if you're not providing some kind of uh, 
place for her to take her eight-year-old, seven-year-old who won't be able to sit still in a church service, and that's not loving to them. And perhaps even you, if you offer some kind of nursery for young ones like we do, um, well, if your kids aren't in the nursery, then that can be intimidating. You know, that yeah, can be yeah. you're signaling to them, uh, making them uncomfortable. You know, in, in that first objection, people say, well, the, you know, there's no, the, my children just don't understand everything that's going on in the service. They don't understand everything the preacher says. And I usually will say to folks, well, do you understand everything the preacher says? <laughs> you know, who, who of us does? You know, who of us has ever sat through a sermon where we get everything that was said? And yet it's it's like a sponge. You stick a sponge underneath a, a spigot and turn on the water, and it looks like all the water goes down. You think, man, that sponge didn't do any good until you pull it out and you squeeze it. And you think, ah, stuff did get in there. Water did stick. And that happens with the children as well. We need to believe in the power of God's word. And we ought to want our kids under the sound of God's word. Visitors or others that have difficulty, single parents trying to, you know, deal with kids that maybe haven't been taught to uh, be respectful and to sit still. We have folks in our church that will just go sit with them or offer saying, hey, we'll be glad to help you. That's a loving thing to do, I think, better. Absolutely. Children's church. Training our church to identify guests and be there and be ready to help them with their children or just encourage them in all sorts of ways. Another thing is there's more going on in a Sunday morning worship gathering than a lecture that needs to be intellectually comprehended. Exactly. God is there. Absolutely. And we are there as the saints worshiping the one true God in spirit and truth through his son and by his spirit. And don't, don't take your kids out of that. Yeah. Worship. Why would you, yeah. Why in the world? And, and to see people who know God worshiping God, there's something powerful about that. There's something attractive mm-hmm. about that to see people who really are convinced that they're singing to a God who cannot be seen, but who hears them, who knows them, who's watching them. And to see the reverence under the word of God, to see the reverence in prayer. Now, kids make noise, yep. you know, they wiggle and that's okay. I think a, a pastor should work hard to try to train a congregation to not Uh, be offended by that, but to recognize that as a healthy sound, something that they should say as, see as God at work here in future generations. We try to encourage our folks when a kid has uh, cries or a parent has to take a child out to discipline, don't turn your necks and look and see who it is and watch them walk out. Don't do that. Just ignore it. Ignore it. I mean, just stay focused on what's going on. That takes some mental discipline sometimes, but it's a blessing to the parents. That's right. And whenever a parent has to do that, or if you see parents trying to train their children to worship, just know that they're probably frustrated and they're probably exasperated and get get uh, discouraged. Go encourage them. That's right. Man, I just want to say to every parent who's tr- in there doing this, good job. Stay the course. Amen. You're on the right path. Yeah, these mothers with all these kids sitting there, and we know that it's hard, and your mind can be distracted, and you think, okay, little one's doing this, little one's doing that, squirming around, whatever it is. All the the things that come to mind, uh, bearing that weight and responsibility, fathers and mothers together, it is a glorious thing. Amen. It's a wonderful thing, and yes, it is hard. My goodness, uh, we've been doing this for nine years in my family, and we got the six kiddos, and just yesterday i think i had to talk to him again and say hey you know and sunday i noticed a couple of y'all were squirming around moving mm-hmm. around you know don't don't do that so still pay attention mm-hmm. look up sing and remember we're here to worship god and we love you daddy mommy love you but just so that correction is going to need to be there in a loving and honest gracious way uh, there will be times where kids need to be taken out babies you know nursing mothers all that stuff just yeah. don't you know the the world has no concept of this, and we the church has gotten screwed up on these issues too. 
don't let those challenges um, cause you to stop in the good work that you're doing. Yeah, and I want to say one thing to parents. Uh, see this as important for the spiritual welfare of your children's souls. So practice it. You can do this on Saturday night, on Saturday afternoon. Say, hey, we're going to pretend like we're going to church, okay? So what are we going to do? We're going to go sit down. Okay, now we're going to pray. So bow your heads, be quiet, and let's sing a song. And when the pastor uh, reads the scripture, then we're going to listen to him. We're going to watch him. And when the, the sermon is being proclaimed, we need to pay attention. And just, just make a game out of it and train them so that they're used to at least the rhythms. Explain to them what's going to happen in the service. And then one word to pastors. I think that we do well to periodically, maybe even somewhat regularly, acknowledge children in the congregation. That's right. Speak to them. Say, hey, kids. You know, listen to me. Our, our children, do you, I want you to pay particular attention to this. And say to parents, we're so glad you're here with your children. We love your children being here. It's mean, not, this is not a burden to us. It's not something we think is a distraction. We're glad you're bringing your little ones. You know, one thing we've started doing recently is throughout the week, uh, the kids have a bunch of stuff they do around the house just to help out. But they have particular things they can do and, and then earn either a nickel or a dime if they do it each day. And then I read in a book this this um, idea where at the end of the week you you have them tithe on what they got, mm-hmm. and boy they just love it, yeah. man. So they're even the worship of giving when that plate comes by, they've got their little pennies, they've Amen. worked, they're taking ten percent of it. They're like as giddy as they can be, grabbing their little coins and tossing it in the plate. That's a great idea. So um, there's all sorts of ways to bring them into the goodness of the worship of our King. In our second segment here at the podcast, we like to talk about a book that has been influential for us. And today we want to talk about a just a great cultural analysis book called Amusing Ourselves to Death, Public Discourse in the Age of Show Business by Neil Postman. Uh, what Neil, church did Neil Postman uh, preach at? <laughs> I don't think he preached at a church. Uh, I don't know the state of, of Neil Postman's spirituality, but he's just a sociologist. Um, he published this book in 1985, mm. and he's uh, arguing that um, we have a tendency to amuse ourselves to death, uh, kind of engaging in important public matters, but uh, doing so in this age of show business where we're just kind of tossed to and fro. Doesn't he have a chapter in there called Shuffling Down to Bethlehem? Is that the title of it? Shuffle Off Down to Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That that book, this book, I read it a couple of times, not long after it came out, and it was so clarifying to me. He's talking about you know, the talking hairdos, the newscasters on mm-hmm. TV, and how media shapes the way we perceive the world. And no telling what he would say today in terms of Can all the imagine? social media that goes on. And and it's not just the content of the TV shows. You know, that's when I was growing up. That was kind of the big deal. Mm-hmm. You wanted didn't want to watch bad shows. You only wanted wanted to watch good shows. Well, even good shows are communicating to us a way to think about reality that is is can be devastating to maintaining a biblical worldview. Yeah, this there are so many things that are good about this book. Just talking about it today has got me wanting to go back and read it again. But one of the one of the setups that just blew my mind and has has stayed with me for a long time um, after reading the book is the way he sets up um, a scenario between two other authors, George Orwell and Aldous Huxley. So if you know Orwell's Animal Farm in 1984, he says Orwell uh, was concerned about Big Brother. 
big government looking in upon your matters. Um, so Orwell feared the banning of books yeah. by government. But Huxley, Aldous Huxley, wrote Brave New World, and, and he was more picking up on the fact that, that we're becoming enslaved by our passions. We, we are being led astray by um, these inordinate desires in us for entertainment, for sexuality, perversion, whatever it might be. And so he says, Orwell... On the one hand, Big Brother feared the that government would ban books. Huxley feared that there would be no reason to ban books yeah. because nobody would want to read one. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> okay. he, he, he killed it. Personally, killed it, man. He said Huxley is the is has been right here. This is what happens. You you get this uh, sense that you can just enslave people they'll go out and work for you all day long do whatever it is not think about what they're doing not think about worldview if they can sit down at the end of the night turn on the television eat a bowl of ice cream and you just make them they'll do it again they'll mm-hmm. just kind of turn into these these machines they don't want to think they won't want to read books they won't want to question why are we doing what we're doing um some boy that's just captivating this this plays into uh a conversation I had recently, I've said for a long time that I fear evangelicals have lost confidence in the gospel. I think we've lost confidence. But I I was saying this to a brother recently, and he said, um, I think evangelicals have become bored with the gospel. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Postman gets at some of the ways that happens where we no longer are concerned with truth as it is explained and can be understood in a linear fashion that we've just been captivated by images and by a way of processing the world that is antithetical to maintaining a devotion to truth. Yeah, we. I mean, this is a challenging book in many ways. He's got a chapter called The Medium is the Metaphor, and he was saying that, uh, you know, he's not just saying television is bad, no. um, but he's saying you need to know that when you're watching television, you're being entertained. Yeah. And, uh, but he said you're not, you're not actually growing in thinking. You're not um, gaining knowledge um, because that medium constrains the television constrains what can be taught through it right so he says for example i I don't know what the native americans were communicating through smoke signals but i can guarantee you they weren't communicating philosophy or handel's messiah you can't communicate handel's messiah or philosophy through smoke signals um which is interesting and I, i don't remember this being a part of his book but but i i would add to his argument that it is a powerful medium though my concern is that it's probably moving people the the moving yes. picture is actually educating people, moving people without them understanding exactly what's going on. You're not you might you might not have read a book and been able to do a critical analysis and adopted some new position, but in in reality you have adopted new positions because of that powerful metaphor that has moved you without you actually thinking about yeah. the details yeah. of how you got there. You know, Jared, this gets to something that we ought to probably include as a tagline on Sword and Trial somehow. Oh, it, what and, is it? You ready for this? I'm excited. Remember, you are being discipled. Oh, 24 7. You are being discipled. Well, we've come to the third segment of our podcast where we are looking at various commands given to us by God in the scriptures. How would God have us live? What would He have us do? And you know one command that he gives us, Tom? 
Yeah. Uh, Thou shalt not murder. Yeah, but we already <laughs> talked about that. We've yeah. already talked about that. He says, sing. 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 It's a verb. Sing. Sing is a verb. Do it. You're supposed to sing. You know what? Um, I actually, in the process of someone applying for membership here at Grace Baptist Church years oh, no. ago. That's a treacherous thing. It is to, a treacherous get, thing. Get through that pastoral. This is a dear brother, good brother. And uh, he didn't sing. He didn't like to sing in church, never sang in church. And so he's wanting to become a member. And I talked to him about singing. And uh, he said, well, that's just something I don't do. So we had Uh-oh. a special meeting. And I said, uh, brother, you're not going to be allowed into membership in this church. If I have anything to do with it, I'm not recommending you. Elders won't recommend you if you don't start singing in church. And he said, you're not the first pastor to try to convince me that I have to sing in church. I'm not going to do it. I said, well, we're not going to recommend you for membership. <laughs> you got to sing. <laughs> it, I mean, it was a tough deal. It took several weeks. And uh, finally, you know, one he come just in here. Finally, one Sunday, he started mouthing the words to a song. Yeah. And uh, did it. I mean, but it's commanded in the Bible. I know. I imagine people saying, why, 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 why do we have to do that? Is this a part of the Big Ten? Psalm 96 Psalm says, 96 says, sing to the Lord. A new song. A new song. All the earth. Sing to the Lord. All the earth. That This is something we are commanded to do. Not only in the Old Testament, we see it in the New Testament, the book of Colossians, that we're to address one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Colossians 3.16. Ephesians 5.18.19. Same thing. You know, there's something so good about our God and his commands in this, because you think there's a lot of things that are hard to do. Yeah. But. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, okay, Jesus, what do you want us to do? You've saved us. What do you want us to do? I want you to sing. Sing, yeah. <laughs> we, ha- we have a religion that is singable. That's right. We ought to sing. I mean, there's something that is expressed in singing that we can't express other ways. Mm-hmm. God's commanded it. We ought to do it. The congregational worship of a church ought to encourage this, you know, that Sometimes we can fall into patterns in our churches and, and how we lead out in worship to make it feel like more of a performance mm-hmm. by professionals or those who are well-trained and have practiced, you know, and they're on stage singing, just like you would go to a concert. And even churches that do that very well must always remember that the end game is not the great presentation of these skilled performers up front. It is the congregation to obey God at this very point to sing. That's right. Singing to our Lord and what a joyful thing it is. Martin Luther was right to say that anybody who doesn't like music must be a clodhopper. Indeed, <laughs> he should be bound to listen listen to the brain of asses all day long <laughs> because he won't take any joy in this amazing gift that God has hey, given us. You know, it's interesting, too, in those that Colossians, Ephesians passage, it talks about singing to one another, singing to one another. Do you consciously sing to others in the congregation when you're singing? Yeah. I remember uh, growing up, and I know everybody has this feeling. I remember starting to think, man, if I sing too loud, people are going to hear me. If I sing, like this person in front of me is going to hear me. And then you look at Colossians, you're like, yeah, that's the point. They're supposed to hear you, you know, sing to them. You know, I sit now in our congregation where I can see, not everyone, but I can see probably half of the people, if I just turn a little bit, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever it's appropriate in the songs, you know, we're singing or testimonial or admi- admonishments, um, I'll look at folks dead in the eye Amen. and sing, it, and I've encouraged others to do that. Some of our congregation is beginning to do that more and more, and I think it's right. Amen. May we sing to the Lord. 
You have been listening to the Sword and the Trowel podcast with Jared Longshore and Tom Askell. This podcast is produced by Founders Ministries. For more information, visit www.founders.org. To hear more from the Sword and the Trowel, you can follow Founders on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or by subscribing to our email list at www.founders.org. Thank you.